running gold thing. San Diego Padres, I'm running gold thing. I'm running gold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosman says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking a brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to these Village Times podcast. Uh, this is episode number 155, and we will be joined shortly with uh, Mr. William Bohr will be here. Uh, just completed the Padres Top 30 list, MLB Pipeline Senior Coordinator. First time on the show. It'll be awesome to talk to him. Uh, we are very excited. What's going on, Dominic? You've had a busy week there at ASU, right? Uh, doing some uh, Major League Baseball uh, stuff for ASU. That's that's awesome, man. How you been? Yeah, I finally got to go to spring training uh, as a credentialed media member that had been in the works for a couple of weeks now. There, uh, We had some credential issues, but it finally got resolved. So I got to talk to Stephen Vogt, Mark Kotze, former Padre, and uh, Colt Irvin, and I read a pretty hefty story. It was even more hefty, but we had to trim it down a lot so it could fit in the newspaper. So I need to see if I can get a copy of that because that'd be my first time being on paper in a newspaper. So uh, it was pretty cool to be there, uh, just being around players in the clubhouse. Obviously, we were only able to talk to a certain number of them, but really cool experience, and uh, it hopefully is not the last time, or it no, won't be, basically. It definitely won't be the last time. Congratulations on that, Dominic. That's really good stuff, man. It's awesome to be able to experience that and get kind of uh, the rewards, that you will, if you will, of, of, of the industry that we're in, and that's definitely one of the perks of the jobs right there, for sure. Uh, so yeah. let's move on to some Padre talk, man. The Padres, uh, spring training's in full effect. Uh, Mackenzie Gore's looking good. C.J. Abrams looking good. Uh, Padres and Dodgers tied yesterday. I it's, I don't know. We're still looking for a left fielder. It seems like uh, A.J. Preller is is adamant that this is going to be the roster that starts the season, kind of throwing Padre fans up in arms. I I don't know, Dominic. What what are your feeling about that? And 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 in general about this Padre team. Well, I mean, my, my one thing is the gripe with left field, but yeah. if they just kind of like platoon guys, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it's just frustrating that there's been so many missed opportunities and that a lot of the reason that they can't go out and get a left fielder is because they're tied up with the two big contracts. Yeah, And even, I mean, Hassan Kim's contract, which uh, is not too big, but like it's something that, is definitely restricting the Padres given their proximity to the collective bargaining tax threshold. So it's frustrating. Hopefully Jerickson Profar plays more like he did in that short stretch in 2020 that somehow warranted him getting $21 million. But 
uh, Alfaro has also looked really good and he played a little bit of outfield last year. Obviously that's not his primary position, but if he can be a guy that kind of also fills in there, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world too. If he plays like how he's hitting in spring training. So I, it's just, it's hard to look at that left field spot and just feel confident about any of the options the Padres are currently presenting. But outside of that, I mean, people have been concerned with how the Padres are hitting to start spring training. And like, yeah, obviously you'd like to see Will Myers and Trent Grisham, Manny Machado hit the ball a little bit better to start. But I mean, they've only been taking live reps for just a couple of weeks now at this point. Like I think their, their performances in the next week and a half are going to be more indicative of what they're looking like going into the regular season is they're getting more and more reps each and every day against actual live major league pitching instead of just like random college guys or high school guys. So they can like find it some parks. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, There is a lot of question marks in regards to this team, but honestly, I I don't believe AJ Preller's comments this week Uh, in following in covering this team for the last eight years. Uh, I've learned one thing, and that's A.J. Preller does the exact opposite of what you think. And at this point, people are starting to believe that the left field position is jerks and profiles and jerks and profiles alone uh, or whoever else they want to stick out there. But in my estimation, they're not done. They're going to he, he's working the angles. He's trying to play coy. I just I feel like they got they're going to have to make an addition in left field. Um, maybe even for a lever. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think this team is done being constructed, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, like I say, AJ Preller is definitely someone that's difficult to predict. Uh, that is for sure. Um, let, let's move on to something that's a, a little more uh, predictable, if you will. And that's talking about prospects. Uh, William Boris here, uh, MLB pipeline senior coordinator, just released the top 30 list for the Padres. Uh, we will be back shortly, and we will talk with Mr. William Bohr. All right, folks, welcome back to episode number 155 of the San Diego Padres EVT podcast. Uh, really pleased to be joined uh, by William Bohr, uh, MLB Pipeline Senior Coordinator, responsible for the Padres Top 30 list, which a lot of you have just seen in the last couple of days. Uh, what is going on, William? How are you doing? I'm doing great. We got baseball back, spring training. It's uh, beautiful weather here in Arizona. I'm happy to join you guys. Everything's good right now. Yeah, it's, it was a it was a little rough there uh, during the off season in the winter, uh, getting baseball started. But uh, we're here, and it's a definitely an exciting time. Uh, so, William, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in the uh, the wonderful world of prospect writing? Yeah, so. I went to went to ASU like Dominic. Um, then I interned with MLB.com after that in 2013, and that was that was doing major league stuff. Um, after that, I was I was still in Arizona. I kind of was a do everything kind of reporter for MLB, uh, just filling in what was needed and everything like that for the 2014 season. After the year, uh, my boss says, hey, there's this thing called the Arizona Fall League. Do you know anything about it? Would you be interested in covering it? I had no clue what it was, didn't know much about it, but I'm a first, second year reporter. Your boss tells you to do something, you kind of do it. Um, 
I go out there and I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is really fun. And then like the next year seeing those players kind of make their debuts and start to develop into stars. And I was like, Hey, I already know these people I've seen them play. And that was kind of a cool, cool experience. So then I kept volunteering for more, more and more prospect stuff. And eventually just, they just shifted me over there. Awesome. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's uh, refreshing writing about prospects and kind of, like you say, uh, discovering them, if you will, and, and seeing them play for the first time before people really know and, and they become household names. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it, it's cool to kind of be that guy who's like, oh, yeah, I've known about him for three years and whatever that, that kind of ego thing. But also from a reporting standpoint, it's cool because some of the features and some of the angles haven't been taken yet. Yeah. Um, you know, you find someone who either has a charity or has a super unique upbringing or whatever it is, you're either first on that or very early and you're not the 50th person to write that Mike Trout likes the weather. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. I hear you on that for sure. Um, so compiling this top 30 list for the Padres, what goes into that? Do you do, you do a lot of research? Obviously, you see a lot of these guys. Uh, do you pick the brains of other writers or do you talk to Padre personnel? Uh, what, what goes into to constructing this list? Yeah, so all of the above. Um, basically, it starts in... I mean, it's kind of always going on because you're always gathering info. But really, it starts December, January. Um, I put together a list of about 40, 45 ish, uh, run it by, run it by some Padres people get scouting reports on all of them, frankly. Um, and then put, put that list in order, run it back to the Padres people and be like, Hey, here's my order. Does this look right? Anyone need to go up? Anyone need to go down? Um, anything stand out? then run it by some of my colleagues, be like, who's, what do you guys think? You know, a little more independent view, run it by scouts, agents, scouting directors, executives of other organizations, really run it by as many people as I can, see their thoughts on players, tinker with the order. um, And you're tinkering the whole way. Like I set my order first and then I start writing my reports. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And frankly, as I start writing my reports, I'm like, you know what? I like this guy more than I thought I did. Or, oh, actually, now that I like kind of write this out, that curveball is not that great. Let's bump that guy down. So you're kind of always tinkering with the order, especially there's, you know, groups in every list where you know, the difference between the 12th prospect and 13th prospect is probably not that much. Um, yeah. The tough ones are like 30 and 31 because you want to get the guy on the list because there's certain prestige, so to speak, of that. Mm-hmm. But the 30th and the 31st prospect are kind of the same guy in a lot of orgs. Um, yeah. You know, there's not that much difference in their ceiling and everything like that. Uh, so there, there's spots where it's like really hard. Um but yeah, it's kind of a, a constant process of a lot of tinkering, running it by as many people as possible and seeing what you can do. Um, I'm sure you guys know AJ Casabell, like talked with him a little bit through it too. Like, hey, what do you, you had different sources than me. Who have you heard from? Run this by them. And so stuff like that. So it's, it's very collaborative. It, the two biggest stories in Padres camp right now have kind of been CJ Abrams and whether or not he can make it uh, on the opening day roster and potentially with the starting shortstop given the injury to Fernando Tatis Jr. And also the the rebound of Mackenzie Gore. 
Uh, what what have your two thoughts been on them so far, and how close were you to? I mean, CJ Abrams at this point is pretty clearly the number one prospect in the Padres system, but how close was Mackenzie Gore, who you have at Florida, being higher than that or even being lower than that? Uh, well, Abrams is interesting because the the tools are there. No one doubts the tools. He's very exciting when he's on the field and when everything's clicking. But as we all know, he got hurt last year. He's played 42 games at the double-A level. Is that – that's kind of a make of it what you will. Is that enough to tell the Padres, like, hey, let's slow this down and let's – let's see what he is. And I'm not talking like service time and ablation or anything. It's just literally it's 42 games. Let's give him a chance to breathe. Let's see what he can do at the double a or triple a level. Or do you say, you know what? Tatis is hurt. We know he's good. Um, maybe he struggles over 10 games over the first, you know, two weeks, but we're prepared to deal with that. And let's just get him the experience and roll with it. Like, I don't think, I think if he does make the opening day roster, you've just got to be ready. If he comes out and starts raking right away, great. If not, I think it's going to be important for Padres fans and baseball people in general to just keep in mind that he's only got 42 games at double A and struggles. You hope they don't happen, but like struggles wouldn't necessarily be shocking. As for Gore, Gore was one of the trickier ones to rank. Um, now, to be fair, you asked him three or five. Frankly, we do the top 100 first is the first thing we do. Mm-hmm. And since we set the top 100, his ranking on the Padres list was kind of locked in. So I kind of had a buffer there. But he was one of the tougher ones to rank because we've got the, we've got the potential. Uh, all his pitches, they can flash plus. We know he can be really good. But also there are those reports in 2020 that he was struggling with mechanics at the alternate site. Last year wasn't a good year. I saw him in the fall league and it was, it was a mixed bag. He flashed his stuff where every now and then you would see it and you'd get excited and he'd like Mackenzie Gore's back. And then the next inning or something, it would be all over the place and you'd be like, ah, don't. So he's, he was a tricky one to rank and we just got to see what happens with him. Uh, he's someone that could, you know, when we re-rank this list midway through the year, could drop uh, or it could all of a sudden be the number two prospect in the system or something like that. I guess if he doesn't get called up and graduated, but he's tricky because he has the potential to be the best prospect in the system, but he also has the potential. We've also seen that over the past couple of years, maybe his floor is lower than we initially thought it was. Yeah. And you kind of just mentioned that you had to base the top prospects off of the MLB's top 100 rankings. So you have Campusano at two and Hassel at three. We've seen other prospect rankings from other sources have Hassel in front of Campusano. Do you agree with the top 100 rankings that have Campusano in front of Hassel? Or do you, does your personal opinion think Hassel's got a higher potential than Campusano? Well, the, I should say, like I said, I have to blaze Gore off the top 100 rankings. I mean, to be fair, I'm part of that. So it's not like, it's not like someone else boxed me in. As far as Campusano Hassel, I mean, we have, um, I forget on my initial vote, because we, me, Sam Dykstra, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, we each put in our top 125, then we kind of aggregate it and send it out and whatever. Um, as far as which one of them's higher, obviously we have Hassel above. 
But overall, we have them 37 and 44. And when you're talking about that on the top 100, it's not, that's not that far apart. So if someone has them flipped, I'm not shocked and I'm not like, wow, what are they thinking or whatever? Like it, it totally makes sense to me. I, I like Hassel's ceiling. I like that he's got an advanced bat. Uh, the reports we got from him last year were that his defense was better than expected. Um, so I, I just really think he has a really high ceiling and a chance to get there. That said, Campusano, I know he struggled a little bit in the majors, but he, he's got an advanced bat as well. He's hit everywhere he's been. I think there's, I mean, there's a lot to like with both. When we're talking about top 50 overall prospects, there's not a lot of flaws in their game right right now. So you can have those you can have those in any order. Um, we happen to have Hassel above, but like you said, a lot of other people have them flipped and I don't, that doesn't necessarily jump off the page to me when I see him flipped. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Awesome. Uh, it's, you know, when you construct these lists, William, uh, are you the type of uh, ranker, if you will, that, that, that goes into upside over basically their value now? Or would, would, are you value, are you looking at 16, 17 year old kids in the DSL and trying to determine their overall upside? Or are you more interested in a player who's at double AA, A, triple A on the cusp of making it to the majors? Does that have any difference in, in, in your rankings or, or creating them? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a mix. I like upside, as you'll see, there's 14 international guys on this list. Um, and so there are a lot of, a lot of young DSL international guys on this list that the Padres signed on the international market. The thing is I have no problem including upside guys in young 16, 17 years, but I try and stay away from them in the top, like, you know, the top five or the top 10, unless unless there's something else. Like, I think I like to bet on the ceiling because if it's there, it clicks and it's really exciting. But I think you also have to be aware when you're making this list of a guy that I think you have to be aware of where the floor is. So some of those guys, some of those guys I'll include if, if the reports I get from sources I trust are good and you really like the ceiling, but I'm definitely cognizant of putting them even if they're ceiling super high and they have great tools, I'm definitely cognizant of putting them really high on the list. Interesting, interesting stuff. Cause it is, it's difficult to determine the value of a, of a 16 year old and, and the motivational factor and all that to have a, has a lot to do with it for sure. So I'm just always interested in, in how you guys uh, formulate these lists. Uh, so let's get it back to the list. Let, let's talk about um, James Wood, someone who's, who's, kind of getting Padre fans really excited about uh, his potential. Uh, how exciting is he to watch play the game of baseball? Yeah, he's fun. I think, I think what's cool about the Padres list is it's young. Um, I mean, all prospect lists are young, but, yeah. but uh, there's a lot of, when looking at my ETAs, like there's 10 in 2025 and 12 in 23 and 24. Um, Wood is one of those 25 people. And he's intriguing because of the jumps he made prior, prior to the draft going into 2020. Obviously everything was weird there with the pandemic, but over his time with IMG and stuff, he really jumped. So I think when you see someone who, is maybe on the rise and is already highly thought of 
that's very intriguing. Comes from an athletic family, sister and uh, dad played professional basketball. So you've got good athletic genes there. I think he's still developing a lot of the baseball stuff, but he flashes really good tools above average arm plus runner. I think, I think he's someone that is going to be really interesting to see as he gets more and more baseball experience, um, how he develops and how his skills his skills refining yet further. We've only got 26 games of professional experience right now. So while he impressed in those 26 games, it is 26 games. And I think it'll be curious to see what he does over a hundred or so games this year in a full season. All right, William. So sticking now with the 2021 draft theme, uh, let's talk a little bit about Jackson Merrill, uh, someone whose home run prowess is being recognized uh, by MLB and his hit tool has also gone up. Uh, can you give us a little bit about Jackson Merrill and, and maybe the upside on, on the young infielder? Yeah, I think he's someone that kind of, kind of surprised the Padres in the sense of they, they knew he was good when, when they're drafting them. I mean, you don't throw away first round picks. I think he performed a little bit better than expected, especially with power. Um, you've also, You've also got someone who's still 18 years old, so you have a feeling he's going to develop a little bit more power as he grows and kind of, kind of start to fill out, fill out his frame. But overall, he's a good hitter. Um, he uses the whole field, uses the whole field, has good timing, uh, recognizes pitches well. There's a chance, like I mentioned, he's still growing, so you got to see maybe he moves off shortstop, um, but he's got, he's got soft hands and good arms. So if he has to go to third or second, because he loses some quickness, I, I think he'll still be fine and he'll be able to, he'll be able to play there as well if needed. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, let's talk about Joshua Mir, someone who's dropped uh, down to number 10 uh, on the list. Someone who's been kind of up and down a, a lot of upside there, a lot of intrigue in, in the power, of course. Um, what, what do you see in mirrors that, that, that you like and what is it that's that you're a little bit hesitant about? The power is what you like. The power is what stands out and the power is what's going to carry him and make him a major league hitter. The thing that's concerning is the, the swing and miss. Um, he had 114 strikeouts in 71 games last year. And power is only, power is only good if any contact with the ball. I know in this three true outcomes era and everything, we've kind of, strikeouts aren't as bad or aren't as frowned upon as they used to be. Mm-hmm. That being said, he struck out at a 32, 39.2% clip last year, and that's too high. So if he's able to dial that back, I, then I like his chances better. Maybe that means sacrificing a little bit of the power, uh, but I think that would that'd be a worthwhile trade-off. And it's not like, it's not like he'd have to sacrifice so much that he becomes a guy who it's, single digit home runs. There's still plenty of power there and he's still going to mash, but I think tweaking the approach just a little bit might be what's needed for him to kind of take that next step. His power's so intriguing and he's going to get like the obvious Aaron judge, John Carlos Stanton comps, and hopefully the Padres can develop him into that type of player, or they could take advantage of his potential to be that kind of player in a possible trade. Uh, Reese Kinnair he made his major league debut last year, kind of hopping in between majors and minors when the Padres needed innings. What kind of role do you see with him and the Padres going forward? Kind of how they used him last year. I think he, I think he's a reliever who can 
who can get strikeouts. Um, I would like to see, I would like to see his command take a little bit of a step forward, maybe for some more high leverage spots. But I, I do think he's an effective reliever as someone who can get innings and get outs when the team needs it. Robert Gasser, uh, lefty out of Houston last year, certainly impressed in college. Uh, you got him at number nine, just below Reese Kinnair. What have you seen from him so far uh, early in his Padres career? He's intriguing because the fastball has kind of it, it ticked up throughout his college career. Um, but he is more of a command over stuff guy, which is fine. It works, but there's less margin from error there. Um, so, and there's that being said, there's also less ceiling. I think he does get the majors. I think he's a solid rotation piece, but I think he's a solid rotation piece. I don't think he develops into an ACE or anything like that, but I do think he can develop into a reliable starter and someone that you are confident trotting out there every fifth day. And, and moving on to a different prospect, let, let's talk about Justin Lang, who was traded to the Yankees uh, this past, uh, well, about uh, last week, a couple weeks ago. Um, where would he have ranked on the prospect list? I mean, we're talking about triple-digit type fastball. Uh, where do you, where would you guys have, have put him on the list? Trying to remember, he was, the trade was so close to our release. Like, he was yeah. definitely, the list was pretty much done. I can't remember exactly, but it was uh, seven. It was seven, eight ish. Um, okay, I was gonna say he was the top ten. Obviously, he was he was top ten then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was definitely. I'm looking at the list. He was definitely behind. He was behind Rosario. I can't with uh, Reese Gasser. I'm not sure where he was in there. I don't recall, but yeah, eight, 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 nine, ten. He was in the top ten for sure. I know. I know that. Okay, and just interesting uh, deal that the, the Padres pulled off. Uh, a lot of upside with Lang. Just, uh, just interested to see where, where you guys had him ranked. Um, yeah. Okay, so you, you mentioned uh, Eggy Rosario a little bit. Let, let's talk about him. What kind of upside do you see in him? Someone who's who's really climbed this list over the years. Uh, kind of been an unheralded prospect in the past, but it's really climbed, made it all the way to Double A last year. Uh, give us a little bit about Eggy Rosario, if you would. I really liked what I saw from Rosario in the fall league. He was someone who I didn't know a lot about coming in. And then, you know, I saw Peoria play a few times and a couple times he, he just kind of jumped out. I forget. I was there and I was focused on like different, different prospects. He wasn't necessarily on my radar. Mm-hmm. And then like some of the games I was watching, I was like, Oh, by the way, that as I'm going back over my notes, that third baseman made a couple good plays and, he did whatever. Let me look at my scorebook really quick. Oh, he was also two for three. Mm-hmm. That double in the gap. Oh, yeah, that was him. I remember that play. Um, so, like, midway through later in the fall league, started asking some coaches about him, started getting some reports. And then when I started, and that was just for my own whatever, I was just really intrigued with this guy. I didn't even know at that point that I was going to be doing the Padres top 30 list. Mm-hmm. And then then when it came time to do the Padres list, I made sure he was someone I asked. I was like, okay, I really liked what I saw in the whole league. I saw a really plus arm. I saw him play multiple positions. Like what's, what's the deal with him? And then kind of the Padres and the scouts feedback that I was getting matched what I saw. And I was like, okay, this is someone that I'm definitely high on and we want to make sure we bump up accordingly. 
That's awesome. It's, it's it's funny how those things kind of work out, right? A, a player kind of stands out and and, get, and gathers your attention, and you kind of learn more about them, and, and you get uh, you get more interest in them. And it's 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 nice when you're out there at the ballpark and and being able to to pick up on someone who you're not necessarily scouting, right? Yeah, exactly. Like there was, you know, I I forget the first game. I forget who I was like specifically looking at, but he homered, and I was like, okay, cool, that was impressive. And then yeah. like a couple innings later, like double off the wall, and I'm like. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the same guy? Like that's, that's back-to-back really good at bats. And then there's like a diving play at third and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, let's, let's make a note. And I'm definitely going to pay attention to him specifically tomorrow or something like that. For sure. Yeah. I've heard him described as a gamer by, uh, by a lot of uh, analysts and a lot of uh, Padre guys. And it's, it's nice to see him get recognized for sure. Um, let's stick with uh, the infield theme, if you will. And let's talk about Aribial Angeles, uh, someone who had a great year last year, someone who a lot of Padre guys uh, rave about his, his ability to barrel up the baseball and, and just have the intangibles that are kind of hard to, to pick out when you're, when you're ranking a prospect. Give me a little bit about Angelus, if you would. Yeah, he's he's intriguing. Um, he's obviously obviously still young. He's someone who the Padre and my initial ranking, I I had him a little, I forget, a little lower. It wasn't by much, but like feedback from the team and from various scouts and various sources was like, hey, slide him up a little bit. And I mean, I'm talking, I had him at like 15 or something. It's not like I had him at like 28, but he, he's someone that's intriguing uh, because he's very aggressive with the bat. He's not looking to walk, but he's able to, he's able to make plenty of contact with that aggression. He's got good bat to ball skills. It's not like he's just up there swinging with everything. Um, doesn't have a ton of power, but he has he has good speed. So if he does drive the ball in the gap, he is able to turn those into doubles and triples. And he's not just lining singles all over the park. Um, I, I think, I think eventually he moves to, he moves to second, but he is versatile in the infield. He's, he's someone that I, I, I want to see a little bit more of. And now that he's a little bit more on my radar is kind of keep an eye on what he does this year, both with the bat, because I think when you have that aggressive approach, it's, it's good, um, but it's interesting to see how that develops against the upper levels when the pitchers are better. Do those back-to-ball skills stay, or do we have to start getting a little bit more selective now that people are locating breaking pitches and stuff like that? Also kind of curious to see where the Padres use him defensively. Do we keep kind of moving him around, or do we want to really start honing in at short or second or wherever it may be? Yeah, in between, well, Angelus is sandwiched in between Victor Costa and Samuel Zavala, two 17-year-olds who were very impressive in the DSL. How hard is it to rank those guys at just the age of 17, knowing that they're playing in the Dominican Republic, so you weren't able to go see them? You just kind of had to rely on what the Potters officials that you were talking to were saying. It's very hard. Um, the the international guys are tough. Uh, so in addition to talking with, you know, the Padres and scouts and all that, uh, for the international guys, I rely a lot on Jesse Sanchez, who does all of our international lists. Uh, so that's, you know, consulting his list and his public scouting reports or just giving him a call and a text and being like, hey, what do you know? What do you know about these guys? 
I think the international, the international ones are tough because the, you, you, like you said, you don't get to see them and the level of competition that they're playing against is scattered. So even looking at the numbers, you're not really sure what you're getting college guys. You look at the numbers and a, it's all college, but you also know maybe sec has pitcher good pitchers. So like look at the hitters differently or whatever, someone who's played in the DSL, like, you know, the Mariners DSL team versus the Padres DSL team versus the twins DSL. Like it's also varied. Um, and then the players that like haven't even played in the DSL, but just signed like a lot of that's just off the showcase and stuff. So the international guys are really tricky and you've really got to trust your reports, trust your sources, try and get as many sources as you can to kind of corroborate some of the stuff. Cause you don't really know. And then, and then be willing to adjust like the mid season list. Obviously I have no idea how it's going to look yet. None of these guys have played yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's big movement among some of those international guys, just because now we have a little bit more info. And then another international guy, uh, Harlan Susana yet to play was a top pitching prospect in the 2021, 22 international class. I mean, it's six foot six, 235 pounds. He's already got an unreal frame, especially for an 18 year old. I mean, uh, what, what do you think the potential is for Susana? Cause he's only 18. Yeah. Like you said, the frame, he's someone that's already mid to upper nineties consistently can touch triple digits. Wow. So he's kind of like we were talking about earlier. That's a really exciting ceiling, but as someone who hasn't played yet and just signed, that's where we talked about earlier about tempering, tempering where you rank someone like that, um, where it's a ceiling versus floor thing and where I like betting on the ceiling and some of these intriguing international guys, but I also don't want to rank them too high because you just don't know. And there's a lot of risk involved. So that's where you get the, the 19 ranking on this. Um, but I think, like I said, when you see that frame, you see someone who's upper nineties can touch a hundred, you've got an upper eighties slider, a low eighties curveball, all that stands out. And that really, that really is exciting. If if it pl- if that stuff plays the way we expect it to, he could definitely take a big jump at the midseason rate rank. Yeah, player development is going to be key for for all these young players, right? I mean, they, whether or not the Padres can get the potential from these guys, and it, it will be the key in, in in their success or potential success. Um, let's talk about uh, the 2022 ETAs. Um, of all of them, I, I was surprised to see uh, funky left-handed pitcher Ethan Elliott make your list for 2022. Um, arrival. Uh, what do you see in Elliot that you like right now? Uh, he had a big year last year, uh, very deceptive with his motion. Um, he's getting outs. Uh, what, what are you seeing from Elliot that you like? I like the fact that a lefty with kind of funky uh, livery, but I think the fact that he's been a consistent performer thus far and he's got a nice slider. Uh, that we really like, uh, possibly his best, his best off-speed offering. Although the changeup is pretty good, I think the, I think the slider and the changeup fastball. I think that combo plays really well out of the bullpen, which is a quicker path to the majors than than someone like you know Gore, who they're going to want to bring up as a starter. Uh, so I think that that part of the that's part of the ETA 
Um, I think relievers come up quicker, more often. And I think you just, you factor that in um, more so than like, just because you have a quicker ETA doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better than someone else or has a higher ceiling or anything like that. Part of it is just lefty reliever with a nice slider is something that has a good, a good role throughout a season. For sure. Let's stick in that in that relief department and talk about uh, cops and Stephen Wilson, uh, pitchers who potentially could make their debut for uh, the Padres in 2022. Um, what, do, what do you see out of those right-handed pitchers that you like and, and potentially uh, the value that they may possess for the Padres? Yeah, and I know when we were talking off-air, you mentioned that you were surprised that cops had the 23 ETA yeah. instead, of 20, instead of 22. Yeah, Part of that is just part of that's frankly is the ETAs are hard because of like scouting reports, the guy's tools are the tools. The ETA is so tricky because of roster management and because of how everything flows in a season. Someone may not be ready, but if there's enough injuries on the major league staff, it doesn't matter. We need bodies. So he's getting called up. Um, so I think like, if you told me that Cox debuted like late in this year, late this year, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't, if you made your own list and you had a 2022 ETA on him, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, Whoa, what are you thinking? Yeah, that would totally, that would totally make sense to me. I think he's got a, he's got a plus cutter, uh, four pitches. So I think he, I think he's someone that can contribute out of the bullpen as well. Um, I think he's kind of a steal, a steal in the draft already doesn't have a ton of innings because he had Tommy John in 18 and then 2020 happened. So I think maybe that's something that could slow him as well. That said this past year, he was really, really dominant. So assuming that that's that guy and he sticks with that dominant self, he could definitely cruise up to San Diego pretty quick. Definitely. He's a, he's a slider type of guy, right? I mean, this, uh, from what I've read, he's just slider, 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 do you death? Yeah. Um, the reports I got said it was, it's a cutter, but, but yeah, you cutter slider. I haven't talked to him, but it's a mid eighties. It's a mid eighties pitch with a lot of late movement. Um, it, it, we're, we're talking about the same pitch. You're calling it a slider. I'm calling it a cutter, but, but yeah, it's that mid eighties pitch that's breaking hard away from the right-hander. Uh, one thing that kind of shocked me was how low Tierso Ornelas was on this list. He's listed at number 28, projected to make it up to the majors at 2024. With Ornelas, I think we need to see a little bit more from the hit the hit tool. Uh, he's someone that the loss 2020 definitely hurt, but I mean, he hit two, 217 in 19. That did bump back up to 248 uh, last year in 21, but I want to see... I want to see a little bit more. He made some adjustments to his swing prior to last season. Those, those turned out well, they paid some dividends, um, but he does have a tendency to sell out a little bit to get to his power. And that, that exposes some holes in his swing. Um, He starts to sell out and try and hit home runs. And then he kind of, that leads to overcompensating in other areas. So I just kind of want to see some overall consistency in his offensive approach, because when everything's clicking, he's really good. He sprays the ball all over the field. He can hit well. And I think that version of him is probably why you were surprised to see him where he is on this list, because when everything's right, yes, he does deserve to be higher on this list, but not everything's right all the time. Um, 
not that it is for any player, but at a more consistent, if he started playing at a more consistent basis, he's someone that takes a jump on this list. And then the only other catcher that you have on this list with the exception of Luis Campusano, who we've talked about earlier is Brandon Valenzuela at number 21. What do you make the fact that uh, the Potters only have two catchers who are worthy of making MLB.com's top 30 and for prospects. And what do you think of Brandon Valenzuela? To the first point, catchers are hard. And I think I wouldn't necessarily get too worried about that if I were a Padres fan, because A, you can make trades. Um, you can do other, th- other things, um, especially if we don't know what's going to happen in the future with the automated ball strike system, you get something like that. And then framing and receiving isn't as important. So then now we just need someone who's got a good arm and a good arm and can bat. And so I'm not necessarily worried about that. Plus people change, people don't necessarily shift catcher often, but people change positions. Like some of that stuff isn't, isn't too worried about. If you have enough talent in other areas, you go sign a, you go sign a free agent on a major league level and it's fine. Um, as far as Valenzuela, the player added, added strength last year, you saw the power, you saw the power tick up. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't have a ton of bat speed, but he does make, he does make good contact. Uh, he's a defense first. He's is a defense first catcher. He's not someone that's, that's going to be one of the best hitters in your lineup, but he's a switch hitter that has value that helps him that helps the team be able to play him every day or more often than not, because you don't have to worry about matchups as much Uh, for his age. He's an advanced game caller. He's an above average receiver. He can, there's still room for growth there, but the Padres really like what they have behind the plate and what he's shown defensively, his ability to manage a game, talk to pitchers and navigate all the catching aspects of stuff that is sometimes hard to find in younger players. Yeah, no, I, I've heard a lot of young pitchers rave about Valenzuela and, and, and love throwing to him. So it's great to see. Uh, like you mentioned, off the switch hitting uh, ability is also a, a positive uh, for him in the long term. So hopefully he's able to reach his ceiling for sure. Um, all right, William, a couple more before we get you out of here. We really appreciate your time. Uh, this is just a, it's awesome to be able to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, right when this list just came out, basically. Um, so when you're making this list, uh, what players just missed out on making this top 30 list? Who, who would you have at your 31st, 32nd? Uh, or is there anybody who was, uh, you know, just barely, just not 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 capable of making this list? Okay, well, um, would it be cheating to say Ray Kerr because he wasn't on it and then when Lange got traded, he was <laughs> <laughs> But uh Okay, so I am not going to give an exact order because I don't want to be tied to anything when exactly. someone gra- when someone graduates. But plus, once the season starts, someone something may change. Uh, but my thirty, I don't know, thirty one to thirty three, thirty four kind of range. And I said I was not going to give an order. Frankly, I don't even have them ordered. But the next names on my dock are Matt Batten, okay, uh, Matt Waldron. Jorge Ona, and then uh, where is this? Jorge Ona, and then uh, Edwin Bencomo. 
Okay, awesome. And interesting, interesting to know. Uh, Onya is someone who's kind of fallen off the list, if you will. Um, any consideration to Estiri Ruiz, someone who's been on the list in the past? Um, his numbers obviously have been trending downward. Uh, he just hasn't been able to put up the power and speed that he once showed uh, once the Padres initially acquired him. Any thoughts on Estiri Ruiz? Yeah, he's he's on my additional names tab as well. Okay, okay. Um, And that's just... This whole additional names tab is let's wait and see. A, there's there gotta be room. Let's wait and see when there's graduations. But when the time of a graduation occurs, then we'll kind of see who's playing well, who's who's healthy, uh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um mm-hmm. so the order I have them in now is very loose. Um, and could change like if Ruiz gets off to a hot start or something like that, then maybe he does become that 31. Um, maybe he doesn't, but I'm looking at the Padres list. I guess Campusano, like there could always be trades. Yeah. Campusano and then Reese would be the only real quick graduations. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There really isn't much. I mean, unless they want to stick with Gore out of, of, out of camp. I mean, I, I don't know. But even so, Gore, Abram, like, because they'd be starting with zero service time, zero bat, zero innings. It would still take them yeah, a little bit. Like, Campusano already has 39 at-bats. That's true. Um, yeah, Reese has 29 innings, 31 days of service time. Like, Gore would take a while to get 50 innings, which I guess would be good for my report of – whoever becomes 31, like we would actually get some significant minor league info on whoever that person turns out to be. Yeah, no, it, it it's, it's awesome the way you guys formulate this and have to have uh backup plans, if you will, and, and have someone ready to step in uh, in case someone graduates or traded or anything. So um, the amount of Google docs that <laughs> we have running at one time is insane. Yeah. And how many like lines of info and, stuff on it is pretty pretty bonkers i can imagine i mean you guys are, are, are the best in the business or one of the best in the business and we really sincerely appreciate you taking some time to talk to us william uh this is william Bohr, uh mlb pipeline senior coordinator just did the padres top 30 lists uh thank you so much for your time william we, we really appreciated it yeah no problem happy to join you guys Welcome back to episode 155 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. That was our conversation with William Bohr, MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. He, of course, wrote the Padres top 30 prospect list. So it was really cool to get his insight. And we've had other people talk about their Padres prospect lists. Uh, They're all different, which absolutely nothing wrong with that. None of them are right, but none of them are always going to be wrong. They just get different information. And that's why it's really cool to bring all of them on to talk about that and get their different perspectives because some of them have heard different things about other prospects. Yeah. It was great to, to, to pick his brain. And so fresh off of, off of the list being uh, released, uh, you know, it's not an exact science constructing these lists and it's, it's always great to hear someone's, uh, I don't know, the way they develop it, the way, the way they construct this list is always intriguing to me. And, 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 it's it's nice to connect with William and, and be able to, like I say, pick his brain and, and talk about all, a lot of these young players. Yeah, it's cool. And he's also Cronkite alum. So there you go. Yeah. of course, went to his former school. It, it's just cool to 
talk to those guys and he's out here locally so he can go out and visit these uh these players and watch them at cactus league and uh complex league games so that's something that i would like to do going forward but like you mentioned it's kind of just like crapshoot and that's what makes it hard for me to justify going and doing because i don't know who's going to be there yeah. and i may not know as i certainly don't know as much let's be straight there i certainly don't know as much about all of these guys as he does so if i go out there and like say james wood and merrill aren't playing i'm gonna be a lost puppy out there <laughs> yeah these guys definitely know their stuff they definitely work hard at at, at just the knowledge that they create for themselves about each and every team. And uh, we thank William for his time for sure. Uh, awesome stuff, man. I, I enjoy learning about these prospects. I know that uh, prospect hugging isn't exactly popular anymore uh, with the Padres being that the team's uh, in contention now, and we don't necessarily have uh, the grouping of prospects like we did two, three, four years ago, but it's still interesting to hear about these young players and the potential that they bring to the San Diego Padres. Yeah, and we, we've seen now at this point, the Padres system is really rebuilding itself up. And a lot of these guys who are 17, 18, 19 years old, where international guys are really going to be carrying the weight of this farm system over the next couple of years because yeah. they're not really close to making it to the major leagues, but their promise has really been shown just pre-getting signed, like we talked about Susanna and then Acosta and Zavala, who really impressed, uh, and they're only 17 in the DSL. Yeah, no, just awesome stuff. Uh, great podcast. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think we're good, Dominic. I, we'll we'll be back uh, shortly. We have a, a special guest lined up for next week, and we'll probably get into a little more of the Major League uh, team and, and what's going on in that regard. Uh, but this show was basically uh, 80, 90% prospects, and uh, it was good to, to, to be able to talk to William Bohr and, and get an idea of how the Padres system is uh, formulated, how the list is formulated, and, and how well – the San Diego Padres system is doing right now. So Dominic, go ahead and take us out of here. Uh, thank you again, folks, uh, for all the support to the site and all the support to our podcasts. Uh, we really sincerely appreciate that. Yes. Thank you all for listening. This has been episode 155 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. Our guest was William Bohr, MLB Pipeline Senior Coordinator, and he wrote the Padres Top 30 list for MLB Pipeline. You can find him on Twitter at WBohr. That's at WB. O-O-R. And you can find James and I on Twitter. You can find me at DMster19. You can find James at EBT underscore J Clark. Uh, we've been pretty in tap watching most of the Padres games, uh, just giving our thoughts throughout the games. Uh, you know, we're not trying to like push any agendas that we personally have. We're just trying to cover the team from an unbiased perspective. That's what we do at eastvillagetimes.com. So you can expect that throughout the rest of spring training and even going in to the regular season. Uh, you can find our work at eastvillagetimes.com and you can find us on Twitter at EVT underscore news. Like James mentioned, got another podcast guest lined up that should be coming out some point within the next week. We thank you all for tuning in. Uh, make sure to subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. That way you get it right when we drop it. We thank you all for tuning in. Go Padres.